everyone. Welcome to Grace Family Church. Come on, guys, let's give it up. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online, on demand, our Ebor campus, our Waters campus, and our Van Dyke campus. Yeah. You guys never get, like, the love, man. I want to give Van Dyke some love tonight. I'm so grateful for being here. I also want to welcome the Hernando County Women's Correctional Institute. I'd like to thank Pastor Craig and the lead team that gave me an opportunity to speak this weekend, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, man, we got some great leadership. 25 years, man, of faithful ministry has been amazing. Also, I want to acknowledge my amazing best friend for life, my wife, Tracy. You guys pray for her, man. She has to deal with me, right? Standing in hope, man, 27 years of marriage. And when I think about a message, yeah, you can clap for that. If you're married, you're probably like, oh, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, and when I look at Tracy and I, I mean, we both come from single-parent homes. And it's amazing that we're still together because neither one of us had a blueprint for what marriage was. And, you know, as we look at this happy new year, at the end of a decade, the end of a year, Sometimes I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, there's no pressure. This is only the, the, end of a, the end of a year and the end of a decade. But many of us are making some resolutions right now. We're making some decisions right now. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, I, I had, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, God kind of speaks to me in different ways, guys. And I'm, kind, I, I'm not going to apologize for it. But I'm getting my coffee the other day at Racetrack. If you love coffee, Racetrack is the spot. There you go. I got a couple of race trackers up in here. Rewards are amazing. But listen, I'm getting my coffee. And I, and I thought about the New Year's resolution. And as I'm sitting there and I'm pressing my dark roast, it gave me an option. It said, do you want a full cup or do you want to leave room? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It said, Ralph, you know what? That kind of relates to me. It's your choice. You can have as much of me as you want. Are you going to leave room or are you going to allow your cup to overflow? And I'm choosing this new year, this new decade to have my cup to overflow. I have been some highs, there's been some lows, and he's the God of the hills and he's the God of the valleys. And as I look back on the past decade, I see some hills and valleys. I I want to introduce you guys to my family. This is my wife, and obviously we introduced my wife. These are my kids, Christina, Christopher, and Trey, my mother-in-law. Now, see, when you look at that picture, you see smiles. But then when I looked at that picture earlier, I thought about it. I said, man, 10 years ago, they were teenagers. Wasn't a whole lot of smiling back when they were teenagers. And the reason why I show you that picture is this, because some of you are raising teenagers, and you need some hope. Stay the course. Have a hope that's enduring. Plant seeds that bring forth fruit in season. And they'll be all smiles 10 years later. See, when I see that picture, I see a father who found hope. I see a husband who found hope. I see a man that was broken and God mended him back together. I found hope. As I look back, I think about starting ministry here at Grace Family Church, and we take this leap of faith. And as we started ministry here, we ended up at the Dream Center of Tampa. And if you haven't gone there, let me just give you dctampa.org. D-C-Tampa, 
www.ghostbusiness.org. It's an amazing place. It's a place where there's hope. And as we went down and we started to deal with the community, we launched a church, a children's church called Grace Family Church Ebor. And now it's teeming with activity and hope like never before. And I can remember some difficult times as I used to drive home. I'm on 275 and I needed that long drive home because there were some tears at the stories that I would hear, at the kids that we would, with the kids that we would deal with. And I remember reaching out to this gentleman named uh, Craig Clendenin. He's one of our missionaries here at Grace Family Church. And what Craig does is he goes into communities and he comes up with indicators on how to know if that community is living in hope. Here's a few things that Craig said. Indicators of hope. People start thinking eternally. When people start thinking about eternal things, there's hope. When they start to move past their temporal situation and they start to think about th the things of God and that there's more to life than the things we experience right now, there's hope. Another one is they start to help and serve each other. They start to live in community. They start to share their meals. They start to hang out with each other and encourage each other in faith. The last thing is they share their faith with others. They not only hold their faith to themselves, but they share it with others. And I can tell you with confidence that we have seen a change in a community down in East Tampa and Ybor City. And there's hope in that area because of not only your faithful giving, but because Jesus was present at the Dream Center of Tampa. I think we should give God some praise for that, right? I, I, I think what I'm going to do is because you pause, I'm going to give you dctampa.org. Again, maybe you need to stop by there and see the hope and the activity that's happening there. So today's topic is enduring hope. Enduring hope. I have a question for you watching online and those in front of me. How's your hope? How's your hope right after Christmas? I mean, we celebrated the birth of Christ. That's the greatest hope that's ever come into the world is the birth of Christ. But how's your hope right now? You know, we, we, sometimes we confuse biblical hope with wishful thinking. I mean, wishful thinking is, man, I hope my car starts. I hope I have my favorite meal when I get home. But there's, our, our, our wishful thinking can be sometimes so self-centered. So self even our prayers sometimes, and even in my life, I'm like, God, my prayers are all about me. But true hope and true prayer and true enduring hope focuses on God. We have a goal tonight. Our goal is for you to hope again. Our goal is to bring a call to action, not only within this room, but those watching online and on every campus to hope again, to live with hope, to function with hope, to be motivated by hope, to reestablish every earthly relationship that you have with hope in mind. I'm talking about hope in your marriage, hope in your parenting, hope in your dating, hope in your friendships, in your church, in your job, every single area of your life. Because guess what? God is concerned with every area of our lives. He's involved. He's there. And we're going to get a couple of working definitions here of enduring and hope, and then we're going to piece them together. Look at your outlines. The word enduring means to remain in existence. To remain in existence. Hope, on the other hand, is an attitude 
built on expectancy, trust, and confidence in God. Now let's put those two together. An enduring hope is a hope that remains in existence with an attitude built on expectancy, trust, and confidence in God. I don't know about you, but when I read that definition, I want a little bit of that. I want an attitude that's focused on the confidence and trust in God. I want something that's going to remain no matter the circumstances that I'm going through. You see, hope is what Abraham had when he waited on a promised son when he wasn't there. And he, he took Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him, and there was a ram in the bush. Hope is what Noah had when Noah built an ark and it had never rained before, and everybody was looking at him like he was crazy. Hope is what Job had when he lost everything in one day. He lost everything he had in one day, and he was left with a wife that said, curse God and die. And Job turned to her and he said, though God slays me, yet will I trust him. Hope is what Jesus became. He became hope when he died on the cross so that we can have a relationship with an eternal father. Hope is what the Bible is all about. In fact, when I look at my Bible, this is a book of hope from cover to cover. We have an eternal hope in Christ. These examples give us hope. These examples push us forward. These examples do that simply because of this. They simply push us forward because God is no respect of a person. If he did it for Noah and he did it for Abraham and he did it for Job, surely he would do it for me. As we end 2019 and go into 2020, I got some good news. God is for you. He's not against you. In fact, if God is on your side, you are, uh, uh, you, you can't, you, you, anybody remember the Wonder Twins? Come on now, you know what I mean? They would morph into whatever they needed to be. But man, when you got God, you don't need to morph into anything. You just need to show up because he said, I never leave you nor forsake you. See, you might be lonely, but you're never alone. Because you have Jesus and his promises. But when we face things, Jesus says this in, in uh, John 16, 33. He says, there's trouble and trials that will come. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's your translation. While you're living here, stuff is going to happen. But Jesus said, take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. I have a mentor of mine, his name is Bill, and he just tells me all the time, he said, Ralph, let me tell you something, stuff happens, but stuff has no power. Your circumstances have no power, and you have a choice. Everybody say choice. I have a choice how I respond to everything that happens in my life. I have freedom of choice. In fact, I remember my mom used to say, Ralph, this too shall pass. And as I get older and this gray stuff started to come out of my face, I don't know where it came from. I learned that that's a true statement. I try not to get too wrapped up in what's happening in the now because God has a future and a hope for me. In your outline, the Apostle Paul says this. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, he says, As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work. I love that. He, he says, we think of your faithful work. We think of your loving deeds 
and we think of the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have faithful hope, we have loving deeds, and we have an enduring hope, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus already did. In Christ, we have hope that endures. We have a hope that sustains. We have a hope that overcomes. We have a hope that's victorious, and we have a hope that remains no matter our circumstances. Our hope is only as good as the person or the place or thing that it's been placed in. I don't know about you, but I place my hope in some pretty weird places at times in my life. You place your hope in a relationship and they walk away and you're heartbroken. Things are never the same anymore. It's funny, me and my wife was watching the Hallmark Channel. Guys, Christmas is almost over. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so we're watching the Hallmark Channel. And that's what we do during Christmas because my wife loves, loves Christmas movies. And it was so funny, we was watching one the other day, and this guy was so in love with this young lady. And he tried to propose to her, and she kept telling him no. You know why? Because somebody proposed to her before and walked away from her at the altar. See, she had her hope placed in that person, so she was missing out on the one that God sent her that would love, protect, and keep her. An enduring hope begins and ends with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without that relationship, everything crumbles. I want to show you guys a picture. When I was in the military, my last deployment was to Haiti. And when I went to Haiti, it was in response to the earthquake. And in the earthquake, over 300,000 people lost their life. There was death and desolation and destruction everywhere. There was chaos Everywhere, And I remember stopping one day and taking this picture. That's a picture of a cathedral that's broken down, that's torn down, and that's ripped apart, and that has crumbled under the pressure of a natural disaster. But do you see what's left standing? It's the cross of Christ. And it reminds me that no matter what happens in my life, the cross will always be there, and I can always trust because the cross is what's eternal. My situation is not eternal. The cross is what's eternal. I can trust in the cross of Christ. And even as a believer, sometimes our circumstances can, can interfere with our faith. And like Paul said, he said, I remember your faithful work. I remember your loving deeds, and I remember your enduring hope. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Hope, when your hope is tampered with, many times it can affect your faith. As I came on the staff at Grace Family Church, Tracy and I, we took a huge leap of faith. We left the military, and we came here, and we came on staff, and it was amazing, guys. We were, we were doing really well, but in 2013, my mom took a fall at home. And ended up paralyzed from the neck down. And I mean, it was, it, was, it was crazy because my mom was a believer and this woman had gone to church all her life and she drugged me to church instead of allowing me to get on drugs. She drugged me to church. She was an amazing woman. And she believed, she had faith that God would heal her. And I believed with her. I said, Mom, I believe with you. God is going to heal you. And we laid hands and we prayed. And, and even people at Grace Family Church, the staff, we prayed. And on December 26, 2013, I stood at the foot of a bed and watched the survival equipment flatline. 
for my mom. And it, my hope took a hit because I could not understand, God, why? If you're the God that heals, why is it that you didn't heal my mom? Did I not have enough faith or did we not pray the right prayers? And I was struggling and toiling back and forth. And that went, that went forth for about a couple of months. And all of a sudden, one night, I'm in my bedroom. And this might be a little weird for some of you guys, but I still believe in visions and dreams. And God showed me a vision of my mom standing in the doorway of our bedroom. She had a smile on her face and she had a glow, but she was standing. And I can remember in my heart feeling like, wow. She's healed. She's walking and she's praising God. She's healed. She's not healed the way that I thought she should heal. She's healed the way that God wanted to heal her. And sometimes in our faith, when our hope takes a hit and our faith starts to struggle, we got to side with God. And then I found a verse. Every time that you go through a circumstance, you go through a situation, you have to be anchored. In a verse, I always tell people, man, get you a word from God to hold on to. Then I got a verse that anchored my soul. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like those who have no hope. I find this verse interesting because he doesn't say don't grieve. He says, if you're going to grieve, grieve with hope. I mean, grieve. Grieve all, cry your eyes out. Let the mascara run, baby. You can cry to your heart's content, but you want to grieve with your Bible in one hand and your Kleenex in another hand. Trusting and hoping in God, standing on what God has said, standing on his truth, that's where we find enduring hope. I can tell you, this verse has spoken to so many people. I've done so many funerals where people say, Ralph, that verse gave me hope. We got to be anchored in God's word in order to have hope. Enduring hope stands on eternal truth. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how things feel. We can't get caught up in our feelings. We got to get caught up in the truth of what God says about our situations and our circumstances. So how do we cultivate hope? We're going to spend the rest of our time together figuring out some practical steps on how to cultivate hope. So we found a verse of scripture. It's in the book of Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah, as I was preparing for this message, Jeremiah is a book of judgment. So if you want to be really sad, start with chapter 1 and read all the way through to the end. It's, it's a pretty sad thing because the people were being judged because of their sin. And so the people are being led into exile. They had inherited the promised land, and they lost the promised land because of their sin, and they're led into exile. And as I looked at the verses, I thought about it. There's two types of people that are caught up in this exile moment. Some of them were deserving of being there. Some of them were the ones who sinned. And when I look at that, I thought about this. I, I thought about we can choose the sin, but we cannot choose the consequences. Man, we can choose to click on that website, but when your wife finds out, you can't choose the consequences. You can't, you're going to struggle with rebuilding the trust that's lost. You can speed and drive as fast as you want to, but when the officer pulls you over, you can't control the consequences of the ticket. You can choose the sin, but you can't choose 
the consequences. There's a second group of people. Some of those people are simply born there. They just happen to be in the family that was led into exile. That second group of people reminds me of this. Our sin, their parents' sin affected their generation. And the same thing for us, ladies and gentlemen. Our sin will affect our children's children. But our blessing in living out our life with hope will be a blessing to our children's children. We can embrace a generational curse or we can embrace a generational blessing. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing the generational blessing for my wife, my children, and myself. We spend a lot of time talking about generational curses. We don't spend a whole lot of time talking about generational blessings. It's right here in the book of hope. In your outlines, exile is defined as a hopeless place, situation, or circumstance. It's a situation or a circumstance that has lost hope. Maybe it's your marriage and you're struggling right now. You've lost hope. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids and you've lost hope. Hey, maybe it's a relationship with the same sex and you've lost hope. What's your hopeless situation? Maybe it's your job. Where is it that you need hope? Is it your finances or is it anxiety or depression or illness? Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Where is it that you have lost hope? I want everyone to take your connection cards out. Every campus, even here, guys, take your connection cards out. Because I want you to take a moment on the back of your connection card. You guys are not moving fast enough. On the back of your connection card, there's a line for prayer. And I want to encourage you to write on the back, hey, Ralph, here's my hopeless, you ain't got to put, please don't put my name on it. Just put my hopeless, I'm believing God for hope in, and write your prayer request in there. So that our intercessors and our prayer team can be praying that you find an enduring hope in the coming days. How do we develop a hope that endures despite our circumstances? Here's my wife's favorite verse. I don't know why it's posted over my side of the bed, but she needs hope, I guess, and she believes God has a plan for her. So Jeremiah 29, 11, baby, let's go. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good. I guess she needs to know that there are plans for good. She's married to me. Not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I like to joke about that, but seriously, guys, think about waking up every day and being reminded that God is good, that God has a plan. And that he has a hope in the future. I mean, maybe for you, maybe, maybe you need that sign somewhere in your house to remind you that God is good. And in your outline it says that God's plan always has a good outcome. God's plan always has a good outcome. God knows the plan. God's plan is good. And his plan has a future and a hope for you. When I think about this future and hope, I think about it reminds me of when I was in boot camp. Now, I can swim, but I can't tread water. So I'm not very buoyant, all right? I got a couple of people laughing already. Here we go. And so when I went to boot camp and we dove in the water, we had to, and I've spent 23 years in the Navy, guys, and I, I, can't, I still can't do it, right? But I'm treading water. And then I started bobbing up and down. And I started to, to be honest with you, I started to drown a little bit. My arms got tired. 
And there was a guy on the sideline, there was a, light, there was a lifeguard on the deck beside me, and he said, all you have to do is say help, and I will put this pole in there and pull you out. Well, in my manly voice, I said, help. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he leaned over, and he said, you can do it. I believe in you. Keep going. Keep wanting out. And even right now, I'm a little mad. I'm like, bro, why didn't you get me out of this pool? And it reminds me of the promise of God. See, that lifeguard knew something that I didn't know. Didn't know. He knew that I had a hope in the future in the Navy. He knew that the plan was good for me, and he knew that I was going to survive in that pool. And I think about the God of the universe when we're treading water and we're in exile and we're bobbing up and down and things seem to be overwhelming. I look at his word and I'm reminded that he says, look at me. I'm for you and not against you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can do this. Just trust me. I'm there for you. Hang in there. Exile and trouble won't last always. The God of the universe is there for us as we endure hope. And I don't know about you, but in 2020, I'm agreeing with God that he's good and his mercies endure forever. Our circumstances do not determine the character of God. God is good. I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. God is good. No matter what we go through, start with that as our foundation for enduring hope that God is good. In your outlines, we're going to walk through some steps that Jeremiah was sharing with those who were in exile, and we're going to speed it up a little bit here. It says, the, God, uh, the Lord of heaven's armies, verse 5, he tells them to build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. See, an enduring hope is proactive. It's building. It's building the relationship with your wife or your husband. It's building the relationship that's broken with your kids. It's building the broken relationship with your parents. It's making the phone call. It's writing the letter. It's typing the email. It's pursuing the things of God and the plan of God for those relationships. It's planting seeds. Guys, God's word is full of seeds that will bring forth fruit in season. I wrote a few of them down just to encourage you. In John, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, I'm an overcomer because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In 1 Timothy 1, 1, it said, Christ Jesus is our hope. And in 1 Peter 1.3, it says, because of God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. See, hope builds. It's living. It's not dead. It's not sitting on the sideline waiting on something to happen. Hope is in the game. It's a living hope. And in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. The second part of this verse, in verse 6, it says, Marry and have children. Find spouses for them so that you may have many, grand, many grandchildren. Multiply and do not dwindle away. And enduring hope multiplies and dwells in community. 
Now, I want to talk to a couple of groups of people right now. I want to talk to our singles and our married folk who don't have children. When you read a verse like this, you say, man, what about me? I'm a little discouraged right now. Is there any purpose and plan for me? Well, I want to point everybody back to this verse. Everybody look at Jeremiah 29.6. The key to this verse is multiplication. The key to this verse is existing and not dwindling away. See, we are God's people and we have eternal value. The things that we do in this life echo in eternity. Children are valuable, but they don't make you valuable. Marriage is valuable, but it doesn't make you valuable. Having children and being married is a great thing, guys. But what makes us really special is that we're his own special possession. We are a royal priesthood created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In fact, it says that we're his children. We are his workmanship and that God has ordained good things for us to walk in. He has a plan for us. Everybody in this room has one thing in common. And see, for singles and those that don't have children and even us, let us not focus on what we don't have. Let's focus on what we do have. Everything under, everyone under the sound of my voice has one thing in common. Availability. Availability. See, availability, there, there's, a, there's a, 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 a plaque on my desk. It says, best dad ever. Now I, would like to, now, I would like to think my kids feel that way about me. But that plaque was given to me by one of our daughters at the Dream Center. Because we multiplied in her life. We gave her what was missing in her life. And she was looking for guidance. And she was looking for parenting. And she actually calls me her dad. She's not my biological daughter, but I was available. And the point of this verse is this, if we're going to have an enduring hope, let's multiply and not dwindle away. Let's multiply and not dwindle away. An enduring hope not only multiplies, but it dwells in community. See, hope begets hope. There's nothing like getting around some folks that's been married for a long time for me because I love gleaning from their marriage. There's nothing about like getting around some men that are older than me because I love gleaning and courageous from those men. There's nothing like hanging out at home builders or freedom and being around those who already have hope to help me have hope in my situation. Plug in and find hope in community. Maybe, maybe on one of our serving teams, I mean, even right now, I'll be honest with you guys, one of the greatest times in my life was when I was serving on the traffic team right here at Van Dyke. Man, I was out there acting silly, waving at people. You know what my job was? Was to make sure people didn't get mad in traffic. I was just as silly as I, man, I was having a blast, high-fiving people, but people were smiling. And it took the stress off of where they were. We're looking for some people in traffic if you're interested. <laughs> so let's recap, guys. I'm sorry about that. Establish that God is good and that he has a plan for us. Build, build and plant while you're in exile. Put your hope on display and live in community. And last but not least in verse 7, work for the peace and prosperity of the city that you're in exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Here's what I love about that verse. He doesn't say get up and leave. He says pray while you're there. Pray for the prosperity of the city in which I led you in. 
Because it wasn't God's purpose and plan for them to leave quite yet. God says, build your hope through prayer and pursuing peace. And enduring hope is built with a connection to God through communication and prayer. Let prayer be our banner and the peace of God, guys. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus in 2020. At the end of the day in your outlines, hope builds. Hope actively builds. Hope pursues. Hope builds. I want to encourage you to keep building. I want to encourage you to keep trusting. I want to encourage you as I look around this room and on this camera, keep pursuing God's plan. Pursue his purposes. Be anchored in his promises. You know there's over 5,000 promises in the Bible? 5,000 promises in God's word, and they're all written for you and I. You remember the picture that I pulled up earlier of the broken down church in Haiti? I found something in that picture this week that I never noticed before, and we're going to bring it up. We zoomed in, and I think I saw a picture of true hope. There's a woman there. I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know what's on her mind. But I can tell you she's in exile. I can tell you that that box that she has is probably the only thing she has in her life at that time. But something drew her to an enduring hope. And that enduring hope is the cross of Jesus Christ. And maybe in that moment, that woman found hope for the first time in her life. Her hopelessness, even though her circumstances, she was not defined by the hopelessness in her circumstances. She was defined by the hope that she find, found in Jesus Christ. Here's a promise for you in your outlines in Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Every person listening to me, every person under the sound of my voice has a great promise. If we pray, God is listening. If we look for him, he will be found by us. It's up to us. Will we choose to pray and look for him and build an enduring hope? I'm going to turn it over to our campuses to pray for your people.